Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to The Guinea Pig. I'm Dr. Mariam Zamani, an oculoplastic surgeon and aesthetic doctor. And I'm Fiona Golfer, a writer and journalist. I'm no stranger to a cosmetic procedure, and I'm willing to try pretty much anything. Which is why I'm here to make sure Fiona and anyone else that's out there considering a treatment to help make a better informed decision safely and to try and collect as much information as they can. Every fortnight, this podcast comes to you from Mariam's Clinic in Chelsea. If you're looking for an honest, no-holds-barred approach to invasive and non-invasive cosmetic surgery, then the guinea pig is here to help you. Hi, everyone. We're back at the clinic for another episode of the guinea pig. And for me, at least today, it's a family affair as we're joined by my husband, Robert. Hi, Robert. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) He's looking a bit nervous, Maria. (laughs) No, actually, he's looking very calm, cool and collected, no? Well, he always appears that way, but let me tell you what's going on on the inside. <laughs> churning, churning. The reason that we've got Robert in the clinic today is that recently Marianne performed a surgery on Robert's eyelids, which had become very droopy due to some medication that he'd been taking, which created a sort of swelling of the eyelids. And I noticed more and more as we'd be talking that his lids were, were drooping sort of slightly over his eyelashes. And never mind how disconcerting that was for me, it must have been quite disconcerting for you. Robert, why don't you explain why and what was going on with you at the time? I mean, I know, but our listeners don't. So, Well, I was on medication uh, for something called chronic myeloid leukemia. And there's a pill that you take every day. It sounds very, well, it is quite serious, but the pill kind of keeps you going. Uh, and the pill has various different side effects, one of which is, I think it's called an edema. Edema, which just means swelling. Swelling. Mm -hmm. And so what was happening was that my eyelids were, or the, the skin above my eyelids was drooping down. And I was noticing that I couldn't read 
sometimes and that my sight was definitely being affected by it. Yeah, I could see that it was affecting Robert, but Robert is a sort of very typical, I mean, for those of you who don't know him, which is all of you, um, Robert is a very typical Englishman in the way that I am not a very typical English woman. And where I gallop towards Mariam surgery like a, like a happy puppy, the idea for Robert of doing anything that's got the word cosmetic attached to it or... You know, it's not really cosmetic in this situation. Well, it wasn't but cosmetic, but, but the preconception the idea, of it yes. was that it was cosmetic. When I first suggested that Robert come and see you, Mariam, to, to have a look at his eyes, it was as if, as if I'd suggested he'd had, you know, breast reconstruction or or it was just, it was absolutely out of the question because it was a vanity. It was perceived yes. as a vanity. So I, I want to dispel that, actually, because I, I think it's important to note that blepharoplasty is one of the most common... I'll say aesthetic or cosmetic procedures done uh, for men and women. I think probably worldwide. I'm I'm not quite sure of, of that statistic, but you know it's it's quite a common procedure. It can be done aesthetically just because of a little bit of excess overhanging skin. And I do have a lot of people in my practice who come in their late 30s and early 40s who complain of that little bit of skin fold. Uh, but as we get older, it's sort of like gray hair. It universally happens to everybody. You know, some younger, some older, uh, some that are helped along with medication or different medical conditions that might predispose them to having a little bit more excess skin, like recurrent edema or swelling of the upper eyelid. But in general, what happens is, is that when you have this excess skin in certain uh, eyelids, you can have the skin actually sitting on the eyelashes. And it's actually a lot of work for someone to to use their forehead and their eyebrows to lift up that skin. And while they can do it in the morning, as the day progresses, sometimes it can become a little bit more exhausting. People can get headaches from it. It can actually interfere in the field of vision, which means that um, you might not be able to see above a certain point because the actual eyelid is so heavy that it it, it decreases the scope of, of your field of vision. So uh, there's, and then you get tired from reading because in fact, when your eyelids are lower, low looking at a book or at a computer or at any magazine, anything that you're reading, normally you don't, you wouldn't be using your muscles to lift your eyelid. But in those situations, you're still using your eyebrows and your forehead and your eyelids to try and lift everything up to be able to see that book. Is this something that more women would be able to treat? Because I, I think of more women as having Botox and possibly Botox above the forehead. Is that something that women would find that they um, at first could use to help? No. So actually quite the opposite. So I'll get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. So for a lot of people, you can, even on the NHS in certain situations, if you can document that you have, for instance, field of uh, vision changes, this is a necessity sort of thing. It it can decrease uh, headaches. It can increase your ability to drive. People don't want to drive at night sometimes because they find it it's too fatiguing for them. They can't see as well the field of vision. So there's a lot of real medical reasons to have an upper eyelid blepharoplasty, which is a fancy medical word for removing the excess skin and a little bit of fat and or muscle from that upper eyelid uh, to make it lighter. And inevitably you get the added benefit of decreased skin in that area. So it's aesthetically also nicer as well. Now, the funny thing or interesting thing about Botox is when you use botulinum toxin on the forehead, the purpose of that is to treat the muscles that create horizontal lines on the forehead. 
Now, that happens when you lift your forehead. And when you lift your forehead, you get those uh, lines and wrinkles. If you use botulinum toxin in that area, you're actually relaxing those muscles and actually you get the opposite effect. So if you're someone who's been using your forehead to lift up your brows and you get botulinum toxin in your forehead well you, you, you can't use those muscles anymore so and then you've you got feel more so to... heavy yes okay. you feel even heavier and so that's why even in younger patients who say you know what I did Botox and you can't see heaviness but they sense the heaviness yes. it's actually because they've been using their frontalis that muscle on the forehead to lift up their brows and it might be a small amount it might be a millimeter but it's enough for them to notice that difference uh, but in Robert's case, it was really his skin was sitting on his eyelashes and it was, you know, creating a field of vision and a fatigue. And, uh, you know, even if he did it just for aesthetic reasons, that's okay too, you know. So uh, I know that it's harder. I don't want to say, I don't want to generalize uh, as English men, but in general, men tend to yes. tend to come well, to uh, an aesthetic to have these types of procedures less than perhaps yes. women, but it is actually one of the most common procedures for men, for, to, for, for men to do. Robert, I'm curious, did you notice when you were driving? I keep thinking about how you've risked my life. <laughs> no, did I didn't you risk no. your life because okay. of that. Okay, well, that's good to know. Thank you. But I'll come back to you. you always. always. To me. It's always all about my that <gasps> bastard. He could have killed me. Do you think... If I didn't have the relationship with Mariam that I have, and I didn't live in the in the world of all of this kind of information, that you would have even thought to do anything about it? Probably not until I was completely <laughs> shut-eyed. Yeah. Yeah. Was it how, how, was it bothering you? Yes, it was bothering me to read. To read mainly. But stiff upper lip. You thought I'd just battle on. Well, I I kind of got used to it. But I wasn't aware. I, I didn't. I don't spend a lot of time looking in the mirrors, so I wasn't. Let's read. Let's say. But, but forget about the forget about the mirror. But yeah. if would you have known if you weren't not married really. to Fiona that no, there probably, was something that prob- could have been done about it? No, be very unlikely that I would have thought there would be. There are so never... many things he didn't know there was a solution to, <laughs> to until he was with me. I mean, it's a miracle. When we first suggested that you come and see Mariam, I think it's fair to say that you were kind of torn between a faint embarrassment and don't be so silly and I'll just, you know, muddle on. I was reluctant. Yeah. Yeah. And then you did come and have the operation with Mariam and I remember because there was some bruising afterwards Mm -hmm. and I think that you went into a bit of a kind of panic about, you know, kind of like, oh, what have I done well, it was a little bit uncomfortable, yes. but that, it wasn't more than that. I think what happens with a lot of people when they've had a procedure done, any procedure, whether it's eyelids or face or body, I think there's always that, oh my God, what did I do moment? Is, was it the right decision to do? Because um, when you first have the surgery you don't look as bad as you do as a couple of days later. So for those of you out there, when you have a blepharoplasty, uh, it's a quick procedure. It can be done under local twilight or general anesthetic. Here I operate at the Cadogan Clinic, and we did it under a, a light general anesthetic. How so long was the operation? It was about 30 minutes. It's a, it's a short procedure. The whole process takes a lot longer. You're here for an hour beforehand. Uh, then you go into the operating room about 15 minutes before that just to get everything prepped, make you know have the IV put in and... and it was a general anesthetic. Um, here it was in this situation, yes. And a, mo- a lot of people here at this clinic just choose to do that. But it can be done under 
top, you know, local or under, under sedation. Um, and then afterwards, you leave the operating theater with, uh, basically, it's called a suture strips, which is a very small piece of tape that goes on the area of the stitches. And then after that, I pad the eyes. Not everybody pads the eyes, but What's I do. What does that mean, pads the eyes? I put two iPads on the eyes. Okay. And so the hardest part, I think, after coming from surgery is the fact that you can't see when you wake up just yes. because the idea behind it is pressure decreases bruising and decreases swelling. And I tell most of my patients if they're able to do that uh, when you go home, obviously we take it off. And then when you when you go back home, I, I do say if you can keep the eye patches on for about 24 hours, uh, you'll have a decreased bruising and swelling than if you didn't do it. You don't have to. So if you're claustrophobic and you can't deal, then then you don't need yeah, to do it. it. But How much um, skin did you actually take off his So eyelids? I believe it was 16 millimeters. So quite, quite a significant amount of skin that was removed. Most people get very freaked out, I think, by the eyes because it's around the eyes. They worry about the consequences that can happen. They don't want to look different. They don't want to look weird. They don't want to look starey. Um, and they're... And because we do always look at the eye, it is it is a concern. And they're also worried about pain. I've never had blepharoplasty, but I've been told it's not a particularly painful. It's more of an itchy and a very strange sensation because you don't feel anything in that area for a little while. How did you feel, Robin? I can't remember exactly immediately afterwards. I remember that I thought it didn't look so bad, and then a few days later, it, it kind of worse. looked worse. Yeah. One I remember being more bruised. And that's than the when other. you kind of think, oh my God, what, 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 what have I done? One I wept for quite a long time, didn't it? I remember. You, you, do you remember uh, there was a sort yep. of weeping, and yep. you, you used yep. to put a lot of sort of hydrating, or you'd put vas- not well, it vaseline, got, but. No, it got dry too. Yes, it got dry. So, yes. So, I mean, uh, different medications can do that as well. But after having blepharoplasty, I do say, so the things that I tell most people is that you should expect to have a little bit of potential bruising and swelling. It is surgery. I do use local anesthetic in addition to the general that was given just so that it's comfortable afterwards. Those are the two things that I speak about the most. Then, of course, there's always the scar. The scar is hidden in the eyelid crease for most people. So once it's healed, you can't really see it. And I can't, you know, no, no one would know that you would, would look that you'd be able to see that. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's always the possibility that you could have too much or too little removed. And that's the, the, the scarier bit is having too much removed because there is a minimum amount of skin that you need to keep in the upper eyelid in order to keep maintain the function, yeah. closing the eyes, not having dry eyes, not having, you know, being able to maintain the function of the eyes. So um, that's where sort of expertise comes in. And then I always do say outside of just, you know, a normal scar, people can also heal differently as well. So, right, with um, a bit of lumpiness yes, or something. Yes, you could potentially have a little bit of hard, you know, like a, a, a hypertrophic or a little bit of hardening of the skin, particularly in the outer corners. And dry eyes is a common uh, complaint as well. So that's why when people leave, they usually have uh, an ointment to use at bedtime and artificial tears to use because actually when the eyelid is cut, you know, you don't have sensation in that area. And so some of the nerves have been, you know, temporarily severed basically. So until they, they regenerate. And so you can have that. And that, that is a normal sort of recovery period. And how do you feel now? What's it been? It's been about three, six months. No, three, three months. And how, how do you think, how do you feel about having done it? What kind of, I mean, I think, pleased. yes, there's such a difference and you look like you again. You look like you 
with that more sort of saggy bits, more awake. Yeah. Yes. You know, we talk a lot about sort of how these things are just sort of vanity things, but I think it put a, I think it really kind of gave you a boost not having to worry about that. And, and I think you do look great. And I think a lot of people tell you you look great and everybody likes, don't they? Yes. Or was it just me? No, no. no. <laughs> well, you do particularly. But... <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. <laughs> Without having done it as a cosmetic surgery vanity project, I would say it sort of takes 10 years off you just of because it opens you look your eyes rested. and you look more rested and you look fresh and you look... No, and now I'm just thinking, what can we do to him next? You know, <laughs> should we have a little bit of lip refreshment? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm dying to get him into profilo. Before we know it, he's going to be sort of a metrosexual... Sorry. Speaking of that, it's actually interesting to note that there has been a very big surge in the number of men undergoing aesthetic procedures. And while the majority of my patient population is still uh, women, I do have quite a strong and recurrent male population who come in. Some of them come in with their wives. I love the idea Some that couples surgery, like couples therapy. Partners. Couple surgery. Some people come in by themselves. Their other half goes away and they say, you know, I'm going to do a little something for myself. I think it's just interesting that it's becoming more common. We could come to you together and say, can you save our marriage? Never mind. The, <laughs> what can you do for us as a pair? But I do like the idea that the couple who kind of, you know, snips together, stays together. Or yeah. I don't know what the expression is. Because we talked about this a lot, you know, at the beginning. And Robert, I've told all our secrets to, to well, to anyone who's listening. Really. <laughs> You know, when we when I first embarked on the tweaking of, of myself, which was many, many years ago, and, and Robert caught me coming out of a hospital having had my first Botox, I pretended I'd slept with the doctor rather than had had Botox yeah. because I was so scared of what Robert would think. And I do think that there's something about opening that up and actually not feeling that I have to go home and Robert looks at me and says, what have you done? Yes. You know, can you move your face? What have you done? And usually I haven't done anything. He's just yeah. sort of looking at me. <laughs> looking for something. For the first time, darling. But do you feel the way you did back then? I mean, I know that you've become a bit immune, immune <laughs> to it over the years. But do you still think it is, be honest, this sort of very frivolous and silly thing that, that, that people do? Or do you think... No, not particularly, if that's what they want to do. Depends how far you go, though, doesn't it? Mm, when is enough enough? Yeah, well, yes, that's true. Well, as my friend says to me, nearly. <laughs> do you think you would ever, if I was to say to you, why don't you try this amazing moisturising injection, for example, Profilo? Because I do look at a lot of men's skin. You don't use anything on your skin. I mean, God knows there's enough product around you at home to kind of drown in the stuff. But I've never seen you pick up a face cream. Never. Or, because? I don't feel I need it. 
don't need it or you weren't educated to it? No, I just, uh, I don't think I, I mean... I mean, I was educated to it, like brushing your teeth, putting on your face cream. That was yeah, my yes. upbringing. But men weren't... Mariam, do you think men's skin require anything less than I, women's? Well, I, I think men's skin is different. So obviously, uh, they exfoliate anyway with shaving every day. So um, interestingly enough, you know, that that's part of their... Uh, not oh, now necessarily, yeah. but, you know, a lot of men shave. And so that's a nice exfoliation on the skin. And they also tend to have thicker skin. Uh, and more sebaceous glands, so slightly, not necessarily oilier skin, but they produce a little bit more. Interestingly enough, my father is very into skincare, mm. and he has always put moisturizer on, not eye cream or anything else, but for some reason, you know, even in Iran, everybody would use just, even if it was just Nivea, they were using Nivea, Nivea in the blue pots, yeah, you yeah. know, for the face and on the body and all of that, but there's, I see now also, my brothers care a little bit more. I, I don't actually know what their regimen is but I, I would say that it's get, it's becoming more prominent and now there are a lot more skincare Definitely brands made for men Robert who's had a melanoma yes. removed from his chest sunscreen God forbid he should important. put sunscreen on because yes. he thinks that we're in London we're walking down the street or we're in Cornwall where we live some of the time and it's a hot day but somehow He's immune. He's immune. You're not immune so actually No I know I'm not I'm just uh, you know, stupid. Especially well <laughs> Yes that has been caught on air fee just yeah, in case you ever need it he's stupid he's admitted it on a um, no but sunscreen for men is probably the most important thing because you know you have a lot of hair on your head a lot of men come in and they have different sort of cancers growing on their scalps because they have had lifetime exposure to sun freckles um, freckles he's freckled uh, well the freckles are more signs of sun damage but they can develop into sometimes they can become irregular and develop into different kinds of skin cancers and so I mean the most important thing is is regardless of whether you want to do skin care to help improve texture or pigmentation it's more to protect your skin against these cancers and while they're slow growing most of them it's uh they can be you know a melanoma can be life-threatening and so yeah. can some of the other yeah. sorts of basal yeah. cell squamous cell there's a lot of different kinds of skin cancers that can be prevented one and two taken care of but sunscreen is really important for everybody at every age i put sunscreen even on my children who you know are eight and, and do you 10. have a sunscreen that you recommend a sort of because i know there's all sorts of issues about toxicity of sunscreens and so i take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt mainly because uh, i know that we have all these studies that say this and this and this is bad but we might not have studies of what they're replacing them with in terms of what is necessarily we don't know if it's good but we don't necessarily know if it's bad either so I personally, as much as a lot of people don't like, I really like physical sunscreens. So I like the ones that make you a little bit white, mainly because they reflect the UV radiation off of you. And I like them for my children because I can see where I've placed the sunscreen on. And for myself, I use a combination of, uh, of a chemical and a physical. So for my kids, I don't want them to have the exposure to the chemical. So chemical sunscreen is usually the one that you have to place about 20 to 30 minutes before you go out into the skin because it gets absorbed uh, into the skin and then the UV is then absorbed by the chemical and and broken down whereas physical is like a it's like a barrier to the sun and so I like to use a combination of both because I have melasma and I have pigmentation problems and so I want to have both but I didn't want to expose my growing young children to having that chemical not because uh 
chemicals necessarily worse, but because I don't know what it might and might not do. Um, and also because I can't see where it goes. So I, I like, the, I like the, the whiteness. So I use a lot of La Roche-Posay, which is really easy to pick up at any, any store pretty much. If I'm in America, I love Neutrogena. For myself, I use Heliocare on my face. I also like uh, La Roche-Posay, the tinted version of it as well. I like sunscreens for my face that don't feel heavy. I don't like to feel greasy I mean we're lucky because a lot of the time you put on a a face cream that's got quite a high SPF but in Robert's case or as we're all marching out the door in Cornwall or wherever we happen to be I've just got a wall of kind of boots SPFs you know I've got that sort of boots up to 50 or 70 plus so the only thing that I would say for the skincare ones is that um, now that I have my small little skincare range if you have an SPF of less than 30, you do not have to have specific target testing to say it might be 20, it might be 23. It's not a, it's not super specific, but I think everybody should be on a minimum of 30. I think it's a falsification. Like when you see, you know, some, some, uh, creams or even foundations or other topical agents might say, Oh, SPF of 15. Well, you, you don't, you probably have to put a lot of that cream on to yeah. get the proper coverage. Whereas the higher the, the, the number is doesn't necessarily mean that you're that much more protected from the sun between 30 and 50 is not that much. It's between 97 and a half percent. And I think 99% cover, you know, protection so you gonna, against the sun. Are you going to make a commitment on air? Yes, ma'am. You're going to put on your sunscreen? Yes, ma'am. Cause we want you with us a bit longer. Yep. I mean, it's irritating, but we still want you around. <laughs> Whilst we're on the subject of the perfection of Robert, <laughs> where he had his uh, little melanoma taken off his chest, he has a skin tag. And I know that skin tags are things that happen. What is a skin tag? Why do they come? So there are different types of um, reasons, but most skin tags are... are created by a virus and they're ubiquitous they oftentimes happen in areas where you have yes, like, like a necklace uh, where you have friction where you wear your bra your underwear t- you know different types of things and so a lot of people get them around their eyelids usually they're benign I mean if they're skin tags mostly they are benign but uh, obviously in someone who's had a history of melanoma I'd always want to biopsy something just to make sure that it's nothing more than just so- a skin tag do you want to take a squ- you've taken a little look at Robert's I have. skin tag. Do you think that's left over from the melanoma or do you no, think it's a little, I, I don't just think that I think own? it's a, a friend but I again I would always it's always better to err on the side of caution with these things. So I'd remove the whole thing, send the whole thing to pathology. If it was fine then uh, then there's nothing else that needs to be done. If it was something more than just a skin tag, they'd come back and then it would probably need a wider resection. So as if it wasn't enough for us to give Molly a new nose on air, should we get rid of Robert's skin tag? And we can. Would you like to, happy to be the guinea pig? <laughs> Robert is looking, tag? his eyes going back and forth between us. <laughs> he does look very, very nervous. Sure. Are you happy to do sure. that then? Fine. It's nicer than having your lips refreshed, probably. So I'm just going to put a little bit of local anesthetic underneath, but it stings when it goes in, as you can tell from his grimacing face. So that's it. So now I'm just going to cut out. So that's the worst part. The lesion has been removed. I'm just going to give it a little bit of hemostasis, which means just to remove the blood. I'm going to electrodissect it in one second, which is to put a little bit of heat in that area just to cauterize the little bit of bleeding that's happening. So even without the electrodissection, you can see that the bleeding's already stopped. This is the electro 
dissection. This is electrocautery just to, so you see, you can barely see it now. It's finished. Amazing. And it's very important that he wears his SPF. Yes. Take home message is wear SPF and when you have a lesion that you don't know, any lesion that you might be suspicious of, which means that it could have irregular borders or it could be fast growing, or if it's new, it bleeds, anything, anything changing, different colors, you really should have it checked out by your dermatologist and perhaps have it either biopsied or removed. So Marianne, what are the most popular skincare treatments for men? I know that, you know, women come in here and have laser treatments and all therapy and all sorts. What's the kind of most commonly? So for surgically, it's the rhinoplasty, blepharoplasty, liposuction, funny enough, breast reduction and hair transplantation. But in my office, I don't like the word Brotox because I think it makes it... Yeah, Brotox is the big male. Yes, but I think it's like kind of cheesy to say that. I don't know why. Um, I would call it the same thing as I would for a woman as I would for a man, but the most common ones in my office are probably uh, a little bit of botulinum toxin and also some filler as well. Um, another big one with men is scars. So whether it's acne scars or surgical scars, or you know they 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 are bothered by that. And and what do you what do you do to treat those scars? So scars uh, that's a big topic we'll discuss later. But you know there's a lot of things from uh, doing laser treatments or, you know, to filling them with fillers, to subcision, yeah. uh, to Which we actually peels. did talk about on our acne episode, That's actually. That's true, but yes. But we, there's a lot of things that you can do for acne scarring, but it's not just acne, any kind of scarring in general. So uh, a lot of them have similar sort of treatment modalities. And is it an urban myth that people, that men are getting, um, putting fillers into their penises or I just have to bring it down to the smut but sorry it is a big you know one does hear quite a lot about it is that an urban myth so it's not an urban myth I I don't do that but and Robert please don't go doing anything like that in the immediate future um but there are people who have there um, there's a lot of work being done down there actually now it's one of the most common procedures for men to do in this clinic on a Saturday. I mean, to be honest, on a Saturday. Yes. They have, they have the cues around the block of men having a lot, a lot filler. of young men. Not really? Just, no, it's not really filler necessarily, but they, they have surgical procedures to enhance. I mean, I shouldn't things. be surprised because God knows I'm invested in looking after my bits. And of why course. shouldn't a man be invested in looking after his bits? That's fascinating. Well, the good news is you don't need that, Robert, and you certainly don't need any hair um, transplanting in the immediate future. Do you think that you would ever consider kind of guinea pigging any other kind of, um, you know, you know that I swear by Profilo, I love it because it makes my skin look very hydrated and it's not a sort of invasive really um it's not minimum. a filler it's not it's when a you minimally. come back looking like a pincushion no it's not when i come back looking like a pincushion there are a few lumps and bumps for maybe a day and thank you for noticing but um do you think that if i was to say to you, you know your skin wouldn't look any different it would just look really hydrated and dewy do you think you'd could kind of gag or do you think you might ever consider doing things like this or do you think that ship has sailed I think the ship has sailed. Okay, that's good to know. So really with that, I think it's just time to say thank you very much, Robert. You are perfect in my my eyes. My pleasure. Thank you for coming. (laughs) Thank you for coming. And if you you have any questions (laughs) for the nip and tuck, any of you men out there listening, if you have any questions to do with procedures or beauty products for men or anything that you'd like to ask us about, please do write to us at theguineapigpod at gmail.com. 
gmail.com and we'll try and answer any of your questions and follow us on at the guinea pig podcast and see how robert well we have some before and afters and we, we even have some in the middles actually yes. so follow robert's procedure and we'll see you next time thanks for listening bye bye, bye. The guinea pig provides unbiased information to those who may be considering cosmetic surgery or even trialing a non-invasive treatment or product. We do not endorse the use of any product or procedure featured in this podcast and are not responsible for the outcome of any of the treatments featured on this podcast or damage caused in connection with any treatments or products. Should you decide to try any of the procedures, treatments or products mentioned in any episode of The Guinea Pig, you do so at your own risk. Always consult an independent and and fully qualified medical professional if you are considering embarking on a medical procedure, irrespective of whether it's an invasive or non-invasive procedure. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 